bit. It's great to be with you this morning. My name's Phil, as Ellen said. I'm part of the leadership team here at Jubilee. And um, we're just carrying on in our series of um, um, This Is Us. And this morning we're going to be looking at um, We Are a Hope-Filled Family. A Hope-Filled Family. And it was really interesting this morning. I had a really interesting experience as I, as I came awake. Um, I, I kind of come awake at different times, in, you know. And six o'clock this morning, I, I start to wake up, you know, and you, your eyes kind of like pop open and you like listen for what's going on in the house. And I just felt absolutely hopeless. I felt terrible. I felt like, like, like I could die. It was terrible. I was just laid there. And normally, um, the way that I wake up normally is I usually wake up kind of like, um, almost like interceding. So I usually wake up like praying for people and thinking about things. Um, but I woke up this morning just feeling completely hopeless. Completely like, gosh, what, what is this? And then I remembered. I remembered Jesus. I remember what Jesus had done for me. And he's doing for me. And he's always doing for me. And my heart began to fill with hope. And, and by the time I'd got my feet onto the carpet and, and gone off to the bathroom, things had changed. And I, I, wanted, I want to tell you this morning that, you know, we are um, here at Jubilee. We are a hope-filled family. And when we hear stories like we've had this morning, um, which is amazing, those stories of, of what God is doing in people's lives and people amongst us, that just fills us with hope. Our hope is not in vain, um, as we're going to look at this morning. If you've got a Bible, could you turn to the book of Revelation and um, chapter 21? We don't often turn to the book of Revelation, do we? But this morning we're turning to the book of Revelation and, and chapter 21. And um, as Dan has already mentioned um, while he was leading worship, you know, you know, there's this new heaven and a new earth that is, is coming. So let's read. I'm just going to read it to you. It's um, Revelation 21, um, verses 1 to 8 or 9. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these, these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will, all, will inherit all this, and I will be their God and they will be my children. 
But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. That's where we're going, isn't it? You know? That's, that's like, that's the end destination. We're going um, to a, a, a place where the kingdom is going to come. You know, at some point, the king is going to return and he's going to bring in the new kingdom and he's going to wrap everything up and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth devoid of pain, devoid of sin, devoid of suffering and we're going to be caught up with him and be with him forever and God will no longer be um, one that we experience by his spirit but we will know him and be with him. God says twice in that passage, I will be their God and they will be my people. Implying a closer relationship in the kingdom to come. Implying that this, this barrier will, will have been completely removed and that we will no longer be people of um, this earth, but we will be citizens of heaven on earth. We will be completely changed. That's such an amazing hope, isn't it? You know, it's such an amazing thing to be, to be caught up and be with God and to walk with God every day. To be with our King, Jesus. You know, every generation has always believed that Jesus was going to come in their lifetime. Wesley definitely believed that Jesus was going to come in his lifetime. And my wife's like real like that. She's like, she's always telling me that Jesus is coming. And I'm like, Debs, I know Jesus is coming, but I'm not convinced necessarily that he's going to come while I'm around. But I might be wrong. And you've got to live, you've got to live in that, aren't you? You've got to live in that tension of, of not knowing. You've got to live with that with that hope. There's a tension, isn't there, of the now and the not yet of the kingdom. The kingdom has come. Jesus did die on the cross. Jesus did pay the price. You know, we are born again. We are people that experience God's power in our lives. But it's not yet come in all of its fullness. We see God breaking in. But it's not yet come in all of its fullness. But we have hope, don't we? We have hope. And we put our hope in Christ. Our hearts in this world can sometimes be enticed into putting our hope in other things. Our hearts can be enticed by um, gadgets and money and food and shopping and, and people of the opposite sex and people of the same sex. Our hearts can be enticed and enticed away from Jesus. And when that happens... It affects our relationship with God. You know, I often say to you that the second biggest subject in the Bible is, is the poor. But the first biggest subject in the Bible is idolatry. God is a jealous God. He wants our, our devotion. He wants us to put all of our hope in him. Because all other hopes are vain. Um, uh, there's loads of like really like obscure um, worship songs that I like. I don't know if you're a bit like like me. I mean, I've been I've been a Christian a few years now, and um, there's a guy called Kevin Prosh who has got a bit of a checkered past, but he wrote some great worship songs. And um, 
One of the songs that I, I, I go back to from time to time is, is, is a song called um, Solid Ground, Solid, Solid Rock. And the words of it are this, and this, if you don't hear anything this morning, listen to this, right? Because this, this is kind of like almost like what I'm going to be preaching. Yeah, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. If you hear nothing at all this morning, right, and you're thinking about your Sunday dinner, I get that. But please remember this. Right? On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. We as a family, we, we stand on that, that on Christ, the solid rock, that solid foundation. And all other ground is sinking sand. And the thing about sinking sand is if you put your foundations on sinking sand, you'll sink. And I want you to hear that because it's important. You know, if maybe your heart's been enticed away this morning, maybe you're in that place where you've, you've been experiencing that, then I encourage you to come back. And we as a family, you know, here at Jubilee, we don't put our trust in um, clever systems or a great building or intelligence or beauty or hard work or money or good theology or great vision or our leaders or our awesome church community, which is you. We don't put our hope in any of that because it will fail. Our systems will break, right? Our leaders will make mistakes, right? We all sometimes fall out with each other. We can't hope in anything other than Christ. It's only Jesus that we can hope in. Yes, all those things are important. All those things, this building is amazing. Our, our congregation, you guys are amazing. Our leaders are amazing, right? The, the, the projects and the things that we do to, to bless the poor are amazing. Yes, yes, yes. But let's not put that above where Jesus is. It, it, it's Jesus first. We can't have any other king. Psalm 40 verse 2 says, He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. If all of this has to go, if all of this had to go tomorrow, then what's left is Jesus. Just Jesus. And sometimes we, we find ourselves in life in those places that all we have left is Jesus. You know, when, you, when, you, when, when you're really, really in need and you've got nothing else, you've got Jesus. You know, when I was close to death in Malawi a few years ago and there was no medicine and no doctors to help me, all I had was Jesus. The church came round and laid hands on me. That's all I had left. That was my only hope. I was told by the doctors here that I was going to die. You're going to die. If you don't get this medicine, you're going to die. All I had was Jesus. I put my hope in him and he came through. And you know, the, the consequence of the, the sin and the brokenness and the war and the corruption that we see around us sometimes affects us, doesn't it? 
and can cause us to become discouraged like I was this morning. And that's why we need to be putting our hope daily and our, our gaze daily back onto Jesus. Jesus has made a way for us that when we are lost, he comes and he finds us. He's always looking to call us back to himself. There's, there's nowhere that you can run that God cannot find you. There's no um, pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. God will always find you. God is always calling you by name. Come back to me. Come back to me. Come to me. Come to me. And that is where we put our hope and where we put our trust, even when things are difficult. Colossians 1, 22 to 23. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Isn't that good that Jesus has done that for us? If you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. We need to remain confident and in the gospel. And our hope, our hope that we have is not a vain hope. It's not a vain hope. It's not without evidence. How do we know that? How do I know that I'm studying this morning that all the things that I'm preaching are true? How on earth could I possibly know that all these things are true? How is it that people would possibly dare to die for Jesus or give up everything for Jesus? Why do people do that? Why do we come on a Sunday to worship him? What evidence do we have? Well, we have a lot of evidence. We have God's word, right, which is true, right? It is, it is, it is backed up. It's, theolog it's backed up with historical evidence and archaeological evidence, Textual criticism is, is backed up. Our word is true. And when you read it, you know that it's God speaking to you. Because when you read it, it changes your life. Yeah? We know that the Bible's true. But, but much more than that, we know that the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. We have relationship with God. And we don't always feel it every, every moment of every day. But you know, when God breaks in and, and touches you, and you experience his presence, you know, gosh, that's enough for me. That is, that is a hope that has been fulfilled. And that's why we have joy. Romans 5.5, 5, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit has been given to us. You've received the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you know Jesus you've and you've received Jesus, you will know that the Holy Spirit is in you. You have a relationship. And you have a relationship of different, differing degrees. Everybody's relationship with God's different, it seems. You know, God speaks to me in a whole accent. You know, I'm sure if you're not from Hull, he doesn't speak to you in a whole accent. You know? But he does. And my relation, you know, and I'm, you know, I, I process things in a, in a certain way. You know, I kind of like, you know, I, I have very strange things that I do that God understands and you wouldn't. But you know, and it's the same for you. But we have a relationship. It's not like, it's not like all the other faiths where I remember a Muslim guy saying to me once, you know, we, we don't know the God that we read about in the Quran. 
We don't, we don't know him like you guys know your God. We know our God. We have relationship with him. And that is what builds our hope in him. And as we share, um, you know, on a Sunday in a growth group, if you're not in a growth group, please join a growth group. It's where you get built up and encouraged. But it's where we share life together and we hear stories of what God is doing in each of our lives. And, and when we're feeling like we've got no hope, then our hope comes around those people with us. And hope is restored and hope is renewed. That's the way that church is supposed to work. Romans 8, to 26, and we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains from childbirth right until this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who are the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with words, with wordless groans. We have evidence of the hope that we have. And it's great. And when, and when we experience God and when the Holy Spirit moves through our lives, then then there is such change that comes. Hopelessness is a terrible thing, isn't it? To put your trust in something that doesn't work out. And I, I don't talk about the football much. But there are some things that you're going to hope in that are going to let you down. Yeah? And it's going to be painful. And we're going to look at that in a minute. But um, I hope England win. I'm an English person. I quite like the Italians, but, you know, when it comes to football, I'm obviously very English. But, um, you know, it does say, I'm going to come on to it, but it does say that hope deferred makes the heart sick. So just beware. Okay. Hope enables us to achieve so much. Hope empowers us to endure suffering. When you're going through a tough time, what do you cling on to? There's a lot of old hymns that talk about hope being like an anchor. Yet hope is an anchor for the soul. It's what we cling to when times are tough. It gives us the strength to endure, to overcome doubts, and, and helps us to be restored. Hope produces opportunity. We live in expectation through hope of positive change. You know, we put our hope in the things that God is calling us to. And, you know, opportunities happen when you have hope. When you just, like, take the faith that you have and you just use your faith and just go for it. And I know that many of you have done such amazing things, been all over the world and done, like, crazy mad things for God, and I love that. I absolutely love that. And that's what it's like when you have hope. You, you put your trust in Jesus. And you can do anything. I became a businessman, right, without even knowing what a businessman was. I mean, because God spoke to me. Now, how crazy is that? And I've been doing it for the last um, 12 years, 15 years. And I'm still not sure what happens. But, you know, I've been a businessman for the last 12, 15 years. 
And I, think, and I, and I haven't been to school. I mean, I twagged the last two years of school. So, you know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not the, kind of like the best person to go into that. I mean, I sit in boardrooms with people and they expect that I've got a degree. And to my shame, I haven't. I've got nothing. I even got GCSEs, let alone a degree. I've got a, I've got a qualification in theology, but I got that much later. So it's amazing, isn't it? You know, when, you know, hope produces these opportunities for you as you go through life, when you just, you just put your trust and your hope in him. Hope fills our life with purpose. You take on a new purpose. In impoverished communities where the cycle of poverty seems unstoppable, an unstoppable force, breaking the cycle with hope brings change. In, um, in Malawi, where Debs and I have been working for many years, when we, when we got to the place where we're actually working now, we had a prophecy that when we would find this piece of land and this place and there would be buildings with arches and in our area they don't build buildings with arches but we got to this, this chief's house in the middle of nowhere and there was buildings with arches, yeah? And, and, and then we met some people from the community and they had been praying for 10 years for somebody to come and help their children. For 10 years. And when we finally said that we were going to go, their hope was realised. And there was such joy. And that's the other thing that comes out of hope is joy. That's why when we worship God, we, it's a joyful experience because we're communing with our God. We're saying, yes, God, you are with us. You are with us and you will never leave us. And what you say in your word is true. Yeah, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you always, even till the very end of the age. God is with you always even until the very end of the age. And if, if you can hope and trust in that, then you can overcome anything. That's how brothers and sisters of ours around the world are, are, are martyred for their faith and, and refuse to deny Christ because their hope is not a vain hope and it's in him and in nothing else. It's not in church systems or, or in money or in intelligence or beauty. It's in Jesus. And hope purifies our lives, purifies our hearts. Putting our trust and confidence in God's provision roots out false securities in our lives. Hope in Christ and in Christ alone. Him as number one. How does hope change us as a family? Well, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. So it's first Jesus, and then it's the things that Jesus is doing amongst us. That's how we stand strong. That's how we overcome. That's how we face the world. You know, we can, we can go because Jesus has already gone. We, we walk in his footsteps. We walk in his footsteps. We don't run ahead of Jesus because that's, that's dangerous. And, you know, we are all guilty of doing that sometimes. You know, People like me especially. I need, I need parachutes and brakes. I need people around me to say, Phil, pack it in. I'm going on a, I'm going on a zip line, the, the world's fastest zip line, right, in a few weeks' time. Um, and you go at 70 miles an hour plus. But when you've got a certain tonnage, they put a little parachute on you, right, so that you don't go so fast. So I, I'm kind of like, I'm already prepared to be wearing the parachute. <laughs> So I don't go quite so fast. Sometimes we need brothers and sisters around us to, 
you know, to hold us back, don't we? To keep us in line. That's what community is all about. Proverbs 13, 12. I'll finish on this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. When you hope in something and it never happens, it causes such pain, doesn't it, and disappointment. No. My longing for a six-pack probably ain't going to happen. Or, or other such crazy dreams that I may have. Um, not right, I'm just joking. But, you know, hope deferred. Like England winning today. Hope deferred. If, you, if, if your life is built on your team winning on a weekend or your team winning the Euros... And that's your primary hope that you're looking to get your kind of fix of joy from or fix of happiness from. Then beware. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is the tree of life. And I'm sure that if we win, there'll be great celebrating and great joy. Although fleeting as it is and temporary as it is. But when you hope in Christ then that's a hope that lasts. It was said that in World War II, in the prison of war camps, that those who hoped the most for escape survived the least. Those who hoped the most for escape survived the least because their hope was on escaping. Those who um, searched for meaning or look to Jesus, they're the ones that survived. And it's like that, isn't it? But longing is the tree of life. Hope that is endlessly deferred is deadly, but hope that is eventually fulfilled is one of life's greatest treasures. When you've, been, when you've been touched by God and you've experienced his healing or when you've broken free from an addiction or when you've experienced the power of God or God's used you or even if he's just come and, even in prayer you've just felt God answer you and touch your heart. There's such joy. There's such precious, precious moments. The tree of life and in Revelation 22 it says through the middle of the street and the city also, in either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. This tree, this hope that is realized, brings such healing to you. Breaks you out of depression. Breaks you out of bondage. As we hope and as we trust in Jesus. In Jesus, in him was life. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That's where our hope lies. In Jesus, the light of the world. The life of the world. The way, the truth and the life. In Jesus. And we come to Jesus by the way of the cross, don't we? We come to him through the cross. We can't come any other way. You can't come any other way. Only through the cross. 
People try, don't they? And Jesus warned that people would try and get in by some other means. But there is only one way. It's only through Jesus. Maybe this morning you've never received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Maybe you've never put your hope in Jesus. And maybe you're thinking, well, why haven't I? Because without Jesus, there is no hope. We've all messed up. Every single one of us has messed up. We've all fallen short of God's standard. Before God, we are all broken people. But Jesus has gone before us, and he, on the cross, took the punishment for all the things that we get wrong, past, present, and future, and made a way for us, and made an invitation to us, and said, come, just come to me. Come as you are. Don't try and get yourself right first. Just come as you are. Come to me, and I will give you rest. And his mercies are new every morning. And you can come to this God of mercy and you can receive him. 28 years ago, I said yes to Jesus up a mountain in Switzerland. And then Jesus came into my life. I'll, I'll never forget it. I was sat looking out of my bedroom window, looking over the mountains in, in um, Engadine in, in Switzerland. And I remember the Holy Spirit um, just as I prayed and said sorry to God for all the things I'd done wrong, and as I prayed and invited Jesus to come in, I just felt this warmth come over me, this presence, and I've never been the same since. I went back to work that night, and the kitchen porters were expecting a crack around the head, and, you know, my usual bad language, but it wasn't there anymore. I'd changed. God can do that for you. You can be born again. You can reset. In our house at the moment with our foster kids, that's one of the words that we keep using is reset. Sometimes we, we, we get to a place and it's, it's not working out and we say, you know, should we do a reset? But what we're really saying is, is shall we just, should we just turn away? Shall we just start again? And with Jesus, he gives you that opportunity to start again and to make it all new. And that's our hope. Should we all stand? We're going to um, take communion in a minute. And uh, before I hand on to Sue, I just want to pray and um, ask God to uh, just to come and do whatever he wants to do with each one of you. It's great, isn't it, that God sees each one of our hearts separately and individually. He sees us as a people, but he also sees you. He sees into your heart, the Bible says. He looks into your heart and sees who you are. And he knows everything about you, but he loves you the most. Let's just close our eyes. Let's just pray. Father God, we just thank you for who you are, that we have such security and such hope in you and it's on you that we stand on Christ the solid rock I stand all of the ground is a sinking sand all of the ground is a sinking sand come now Holy Spirit fill us up fill us up Lord fill us up Lord God Just allow God to move. More, Lord. More.
more of your power, more of your grace, more of your love. Just pour it in. You can see God's Spirit just pouring into some of your lives right now, filling you up. And if you've never received Jesus, then today's a great day to do that. Please come and see me or Sue or Dan or one of the welcome team and just say to them, I'd like to receive Jesus. And you can. You can have this hope that we have. and You can have it today. You can have it right now.